Are we recording? <laughs> yeah. Kelsey Ann, what exactly is the Jewish question? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking People about. People talk about the Jewish question all the time, but I don't know what that means. What, what is the Jewish question? Is the Jewish question like, is that, that's what they ask you when you get off the subway? Uh, Those that's little orthodox what it kids is. come up to you and that's what, it that's is. what the Jewish question is? Are you Jewish? That's the Jewish Are question. Are you Jewish? On the high holidays. Or is it like full or half sour? Full sour. Full sour. Opinion. Although half sours are good too. I don't know. Well, I don't know. And I and I hope to remain ignorant. You're not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. You know who else wasn't Jewish? A humble animator from Kansas City. Who was, uh, who was an idealist. Who was a utopian. He had a, a vision for the future. If, if I may. A grand vision for the future. And a lot of ideas on how to answer this Jewish question. What was his name? Walter Disney. Dial it back. Let's let's lay it. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, Kelsey is just scared. She and I are both actors, and she's afraid that she'll never get a job again after this podcast. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I don't know. We're podcasting's the best job anyway. You're listening to the Florida Woman podcast. That is Nathan Simpson. That is Kelsey Ann Wacker. <laughs> and uh, this episode is part two of our Dark Disney series where we untangle the dark side of the House of Mouse. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Uncle Walt's role in the Red Scare. Alleging. Do you want to hear about the alleged cherry on top? Yeah. Walt's alleged Nazi sympathies. Nathan. Yes. Guess, truly give me a guess. How many Academy Awards did Walt Disney personally win? Personally. Personally win? Not like the Disney umbrella. I don't think he won any, did he? Did he win like a Lifetime Achievement Award? Between 1932 and uh -huh. 1969, Walt Disney won 22 Academy Holy Awards. Holy shit, I couldn't have been more wrong. And was nominated 59 times. Holy shit. It's See, more than any other person has received in the history of the Academy Awards. What were they for? For like... I didn't research that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's our brand, folks. That's what you're getting. But I want to get one thing out of the way before we start talking about Walt and his alleged ties to the FBI and CIA, uh -huh. his alleged Nazi sympathies. Mm -hmm. I just I, I need cool to get stuff one did. alleged elephant out of the room. Okay, Please. is Walt Disney frozen? I mean, I just feel like. Factually, it probably didn't happen, but I don't really like deal in facts. You know what I mean? Yeah, like deal, I, in, deal I, in feelings. I deal in feelings, yeah. and I feel you caught a feeling about that. This? He's frozen. 
I feel that he's frozen and he's interred somewhere. Interred? Yeah, interred. (laughs) Yeah, that's a word, right? Underneath. In like the Utilidor underground maze of tunnels that they have. Yeah, well, there is that gigantic complex. Like that. I mean, you could you could imagine that they kept digging and digging and put Uncle Walt deep down there, don't you think? Bro, he's a control freak. Like, well, yeah, and he had all these weird like pseudoscientific, like futuristic um, ideas about. About like that's why yeah. he built Epcot, right? Yeah, dude. I so that's actually my theory. I th- I feel <laughs> that he is frozen and kept in a cryogenic chamber underneath Epcot. See, I've heard that he's frozen. I've also heard that only his head is frozen. What good would that do anybody? You could like keep the head frozen, and then because the brain's inside there, <laughs> and then you could ostensibly one of these days thaw it out. In the defroster, mm-hmm. you know, use the, the defrost, defrost setting defroster. on your microwave mm-hmm. and then, you know, get the brain pumping again. And put Connected it on to what? Like, like a, a robot? Or a computer? Something? Yeah. I mean, it's the same idea as those, you heard of those like, you know, tech millionaire guys who want to want to scan their brain. Oh yeah, and like make an avatar that yeah, they can and control, then right? Put, yeah, put themselves in a computer so that they can live forever, but then kill their real self. What? I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You have to kill your real self to get the brain. Do you out get of it. your avatar to kill you? No, Does your you avatar. You? Your avatar can only be created by killing yourself and sucking your brain out of your head. Can so someone can else kill you, it. or do you have to do it yourself? Well, you have to. It, somebody else would be killing you. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> the only way to make it legal is that you have to kill yourself, right, so that the, yeah. so that the doctor can then go. Well, he killed himself, so now I'm using. I'm gonna suck his brain out of his ear canal, and then scan it, and then put it in. Like you have like an agreement with a doctor, right? Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna some you know, sort of I'm gonna off agreement. myself. You're gonna take my brain and scan it. I think that Walt Disney was on that tip. I think it was long time ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, long time OG. ago. OG. Yeah, I think he, I I get the feeling. Yeah, I don't know anything about the <laughs> about the location of Walt Disney's remains, but I do also catch the feeling that he probably wanted to preserve himself somehow for future so that he technologies. Could, yeah, come back and yeah. and save humanity well, or whatever. Just needless I feel like to he say, he had that kind of complex, you know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I yes. Yeah, so then yes. You know, um, there's like again, a candle. It is now in the hands of the scientific community to prove to us that Walt Disney's brain is not frozen in an underground vault underneath Disney World. Yes, that's how you get out of a lot of mental work. Yes, you just make right. the other person uh, have to prove it. Again, that's our brand. That's what we do here. The the thing that I was just going to say was, you know, that there's a permanent candle that exists above main street in california in anaheim there's a oh i've heard of there's this. an apartment yeah. he built himself while mm-hmm. he was alive mm-hmm. an apartment above main street mm-hmm. so he could spy on the workers and like get <laughs> yeah. them in trouble and tattle yeah. on them and yeah. you know yeah. etc but when he died of course he thought that was quality control right right yeah. of course yeah when he died what they they kept the apartment as is yeah, like it's yeah. still Walt's apartment and mm-hmm. it's still decorated the same way and like nothing has been changed it was truly like a livable apartment he sometimes slept there and stuff like that like wow, in the weird. parks yeah and some poor employee has to go in there like every night and like clean it still and like make sure the candle is still lit Interesting. and there's like this urban legend that mm-hmm. this one employee, she 
act, uh, she shut the door too fast and the candle went out and she was on her way out. And then in pitch black darkness, she heard, I'm still here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good story. But anyway, Walt's shady, and it, yeah. it's fitting that while he's not Florida-born, he is a Florida man in the way of his Florida project, right. we talked about this Disney in the last episode. World. You don't have to be born in Florida to be a Florida man. Right. He chose Florida. It's yeah. a sunny place for shady people, and I think Sorry. Walt is one of those people. Yeah. So let's get into it. The Red Scare. We may be a little afraid of Walt, but Walt was really only afraid of one thing. Nathan? Communists? Jewish communists. Yes! Ethel Rosenberg. That's right, baby. All right, so if you know anything about The Color Red, you know it's a Taylor Swift album circa 2012. Uh But you also probably know that it's the color of communism. Senator Joe McCarthy's Red Scare was a nationwide fear campaign that began to rev up in the late 1930s. It was designed to sort of rile up America's hysterics over communism uh-huh. in the Cold War. Uh-huh. Um, while, while we know this led to many Americans like being tattled on, like mm-hmm. we said, losing their jobs, having their reputations and very names sort of incinerated. What you may not know is that Walt was Uncle Sam's right-hand man. So, a little background on the Red Scare, in case we're losing people, because I would be lost. But for anyone else who needs a little background, too. Um, Following World War II, the Democratic United States and Communist Soviet Union uh, started duking it out in, like, political and economic clashes known as the Cold War. So the bitter rivalry between these two global superpowers heightened concerns in the U.S. that communist and leftist sympathizers inside America might actively work as Soviet spies to constitute a threat to U.S. security. Yep. Um, So fear of Soviet influence grew and U.S. leaders decided to take action. Uh On March 21st, 1947, President Harry S. Truman issued Executive Order 9835, known as the Loyalty Order, which commanded that all federal employees be analyzed to ascertain whether they were loyal enough to the U.S. government. We do that same thing. If anybody ever wants to be an intern on this podcast, we're going to make you do the same fucking thing. So the hungry snout of the House Un-American Activities Committee, which was formed in 1938 to sniff out Nazi sympathizers. Uh This was before the McCarthyism thing. Mm -hmm. Was turned instead to sniff out perceived threat of homegrown American communists. Um, The House Un-American Activities Committee investigations were lovingly and diligently carried out by U.S. Senator Joseph R. McCarthy of Wisconsin. Daddy. um, Who became the person most closely associated with this anti-communist crusade. Uh, He's kind of like a House of Un-American Activities Committee hype man, you know. So... Enter through side door. You want to call you want to call um, McCarthy daddy. Yeah. Then we can call Walt Disney uncle. Uncle Walt. Enter through the side door, Uncle Walt. So 
Walt Disney, along with Ronald Reagan, Anne mm-hmm. Rand, John Wayne, oh my and a few god. others. Oh my god, the coolest people in history. <laughs> was a seminal and founding member of the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. Oh my god, if they were all ever in the same room together, that room just smelled like smelled like them sweating brown liquor out <laughs> every pore in their body. I can only imagine the DTs that were happening in that fucking room if they were ever all together. Oh man. I don't think Walt drank though. He was I think he was a bit of a teetotaler. You don't? No, I don't think so. Oh, interesting. Okay, go on. Do you know otherwise? No, I don't. I just he just look he's got that like old, you know, 20th century guy face that like does. looks like that, it's like, kind of like melting Scottish man's off. like yeah. red nose sort yeah, of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I just assume everyone before 1970 was just pounding brown liquor at all times of the day i don't think that's an unfair assumption either. it's not unfair but i think yeah. you may be under the impression that uncle walt's a little cooler than he is ah, that is probably true that is probably yeah, true kind of boring oh man so this well, that's even I, I trust that even less than i get you know, people who don't drink and like have like people who do try and do the things that walt disney did and they they don't even have a vice like I that's way scarier to me. Like, I agree. I also think it's weird when people don't drink unless it's yeah. for religious reasons, which yeah. I also think is strange. But I get it. Like yeah. it makes sense. They're like, we don't do that in my religion. But if it's not a religious reason and you just like happen to not yeah. drink, I find that very odd. Well, it's if to me it's weirder. Like, it's not weird if you're, like, you know, an alcoholic and you have to, like, stop drinking. Like, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But that means that you've tried it first. Yeah, that's like, what if I'm you saying. never try it, if you never try a vice, like, then I'm, I don't know what then to I'm do Then I'm really with curious you. about yeah. what your vice is. Like, yeah, you have exactly. something. What Exa- is it? It's more the rest like, of us are drinking and it's normal. What, yeah, what the what fuck are you weird doing? shit are you doing? Cracking open, uh, cracking open babies over your knee and sucking the adrenochrome out of their, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We're going there We're going today, there. probably. Okay, so the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. That was founded by Walt Disney. For the record, we're not cute people. We don't believe in the adrenochrome, but it is. Don't it does make me. us laugh. Okay, I won't speak for you. I'm All sorry. Right. It may or may not be a conspiracy podcast. I've said it once. I'll <laughs> say it again. Okay, I, I reversed my position. It is real. Um, so I'm going to call this the MPA from now on, um, the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. So the MPA was an organization that worked tirelessly to turn suspected Hollywood communists over to the government. Yeah. Um, why don't they have this for suspected Hollywood pedophiles, by the way? (laughs) I feel like that committee might be useful when it comes to communism. They have all this energy, like they have all this gumption. (laughs) And like when it comes to pedophiles, the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals is like tired. Silent. Well, you fucking know why. If they actually had one of those, then they'd get rid of everybody in in Hollywood. Hollywood. (laughs) So, um... Under pressure from the negative publicity aimed at the Hollywood studios at this time uh-huh. for supposed like communist ideals or yeah. sort of like left leaning people and mm. frankly Jews. I yeah. think that's yeah. like people in Hollywood having like having a large percentage of those people be Jewish mm-hmm. was really one of the only reasons why suspicion was cast so right. heavily about like communism. Yes. I, so they're feeling a lot of pressure because mm-hmm. uh, the government is like, we know that there are commies in there. Um, so that they make this this right. alliance, the MPA. Right. 
And movie executives then created these Hollywood blacklists. Yes. Uh, that barred suspected radicals or suspected communists from employment in the Hollywood film industry. Yeah. So you may be asking yourself, how did Walt come to be involved in this? Um, Walt's father, if you do a little research, actually had rather socialist views. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walt started out considering himself a populist mm-hmm. who was very anti-elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his views quickly changed in the year 1941. In 1941, Walt's cartoonists and animators tried to form a labor organization. Walt refused to negotiate or meet worker demands, leading to a labor strike. (laughs) So Walt was firmly against the demands of the of his cartoonists given that to his mind the disney company was already a very employee friendly place right this is what i was talking about with uncle walt i think i remember uh learning that he like he had this persona where he like thought of himself as like a father figure to all these like young animators and he like you know pushed them per- for perfection and like you know he it reminds me of like it's like workplace culture kind of stuff yeah that yeah. reminds me of like the you know this is your family kind of yeah that's exactly what it is we're gonna like we're a family here well that's what i mean he called himself uncle walt it's gross you're not a family you fucking work for him he's your boss he's a populist until until all the people say want something we want something that he doesn't want yeah yeah and then he fucking changes on a dime yeah basically his feelings were hurt because they didn't want him to be their uncle Right, so he was like, the Disney company is already a great place to work. I feel, like you said, hurt, betrayed. Yeah, exactly. Um, by my children wow. and by my nieces and nephews. Yeesh. Um, so the studio really tried hard to end the strike. Uh, Walt angrily condemned it, calling the strike leaders communists. Yeah. And even going so far as t- to take out an ad in Variety magazine uh-huh. declaring communist agitation had taken hold of his am- animators. Like wrote this thing that was published in the most read, you know, industry magazine, Variety, right. about how like his cartoonists and his animators had been like yeah, seized by like communist Soviet agitation. Spies, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So by 19, so that happened in 1941, uh-huh. where they wanted um, these new, I'm sure it was nothing huge. Like, you know what <laughs> no, I mean? It, it doesn't is, seem yeah. like it was like, they but wanted, he wouldn't they, give it to him. What? Yeah, they wanted like pay raises and like, you know, I couldn't find hours. any really specific information, but yeah. um, just that, that they wanted to form a labor organization, yeah, a union, yeah. and he was just, just in. Flabbergasted. Yeah, flabbergasted yeah, by yeah. it. So, that, like I said, that happened in 1941. Mm-hmm. By 1947, he would testify before the House Committee on, on American Activities that the strike at his studio was a result of, a quote, a communist group trying to take over my artists. And so, just like that, he's in with McCarthy. Yep. So, according to hysteria... Hysterians. Hysterians? (laughs) Historians? Yeah. But I like like hysterians. Hysterians. They deal in hysterics. Interesting, yeah. All sorts of histamines. Uh Uh-huh. 
Anyway. Hysterectomies? Um, yeah, yeah, add that to the list. Okay. So according to historians Larry Sepler and Stephen Ungland. Stephen Ungland. <laughs> um, quote, in actuality, the strike had resulted from Disney's overbearing paternalism. Uh-huh. Just like you said. High heart, high handedness and insensitivity. The overbearing paternalism thing really gets me though. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. That that was said sort of on the record by historians that yeah. have researched this much more than us. Yeah. And also that you just felt that it was true. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just knew. Um, so the hearings of this committee began with appearances by Walt Disney and Ronald Reagan, the then president of the Screen Actors Guild. Um, Disney testified that the threat of communists in the film industry was a serious one and named specific people who had worked for him as probable communists. Yeah. So he was the first one to to testify. Yeah. And he just named. He just named names. Oh, he just snitch. Yeah, he went there. He just named all these fucking people that he had worked with and that had worked for him that he probably didn't feel loved him enough. Whoa. And he just named names. Walt Snitchney. Yeah. So basically, Uncle Walt trying to get dudes blacklisted. God damn. What a, mo- what a motherfucker. Also, Ronald Reagan... <laughs> Ronald Reagan, it's it's so, like, annoying and ironic that he's in, like, in this whole, like, basket of, of morons. Because it makes so much sense He's the president me. of the labor union. I Screen know. Actors Guild is a labor union. So I have a specific example. It's... It's on a like micro scale, but it's an example of how I do feel that Uncle Walt um, viewed labor and viewed like the value of labor when mm-hmm. it really came down to it. And mm-hmm. this sort of like to me exemplifies his anti-union, anti-organizing, mm-hmm. um, like and then you know equating that with like communism or whatever, and right, right? Tattling on people. Well, it's pretty clear, like if you look at his his life and his story and all the the things that he did and the way that he did them, that he believed in the like the idea of the you know the myth of the like very special man who like the you know the great man of history who, who comes like, from Middle America and rises above <laughs> right, to right. to conquer all. Right. Right. And to he, create um, an empire. Yeah, Just he, one very special man. It's yeah, it's I don't know, it's interesting. The parallels of um of this man f- who grew up in, in this country and romanticized the past of it and then thought that it was being infiltrated by Jews and communists and then had this grand design for the future, you know, and like it's I don't listen. I mean, you know, he's a cartoonist and not a politician. But I'm just you I think know, he drawing wishes a couple he was of... a politician though. But I think that he also realized yeah. that being a cartoonist, being in charge of uh-huh. media, being in charge of movies, of of music, yeah, of things right. that people ingest as culture. I uh-huh. think he actually realized that that's a more effective way. To, to control get people, people to, be- yeah. to get people to believe what you believe, yeah, 100%. to it's fight for propaganda. the America that you believe yeah. in, yeah, uh-huh. rather than being a politician. Otherwise, I think he would have done that. Yeah, do you think so? Oh, yeah. So let me just give you this little example. Um, this is a, from Bob Thomas, um, and it was an article entitled, Singer Still Hopes to Cash In as the Voice of Snow White. So Miss Adriana Castellotti Snow White's voice actress was paid nine hundred and seventy dollars 
which was actually a routine sum. No, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing mm-hmm. too low, nothing too high. Mm-hmm. A routine sum for such work in those non-union days in Hollywood. Right, right. With the eighth release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarf, Dwarfs <laughs> hitting <laughs> theaters, she figured she deserved more money. Yeah. But she wouldn't sue. Um, and that's interesting because Peggy Lee, mm-hmm. the singer, yeah. um, she successfully sued the Disney Corporation over her contributions to Lady and the Tramp um, oh. and it being re-released all the time. Right, right. But her not seeing anything Any for a box office or, or yeah. residuals from the re-releases, which is still her voice. It's not like they redid it. Yeah, exactly. She didn't want to sue for oh. whatever reason. I don't know what sure. her like personal reasons were for this. Um, but she's had trouble in the past cashing in on Snow White. So after the movie became a sensation... Jack Benny sought her out for his radio show, and she said she was told that Walt Disney replied, quote, I'm sorry, but that voice can't be used anywhere. I don't want to spoil the illusion of Snow White. And she felt that not only was she not able to, without suing, uh, be compensated for eight re-releases of a film that she did the main character voice for yeah she is snow white she is snow white she got paid one time she got paid one time a routine non-union sum Mm -hmm. of 970 Mm dollars she didn't see any money from any re-releases and she also felt that she had a really hard time getting hired again after that movie and she suspected it had something to do with what she was told walt said to her so this is like third-hand information uh-huh. but that walt said i'm sorry that voice can't be used anywhere because i don't want to spoil the illusion of snow of white snow white you fucker okay so i just ran the um i just ran the the numbers on the inflation calculator in 1937 if you're paid 970 dollars that would translate to eighteen thousand six hundred and thirty one dollars today yeah but so Snow, I, it can't be overstated how huge the popularity of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was. It and really how, did put Disney on the map yeah. in a different way. Like Mickey Mouse, Mortimer Mouse, those cartoons were popular. Right. But Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was Disney's first hit. Yes, exactly. And so imagine you are the star of like the biggest movie in America. And, like, you are everywhere. And, like, every little kid knows you. And every adult, I mean, every adult who took their little kids to the movies to go see you knows your voice and knows who you are. And you got paid 20K. You can't live on that for a year. You know what I mean? Nowadays, like, plenty of people are living on that, you know, a year. But it's not... That's not movie star money. That's, no, God, no. It's far from what she deserved for that. And it's far less than what Walt Disney himself made off of that movie, which was tons and tons, tons. of money. And Walt Disney was like, hey, you can't be in any more movies. Sorry. Yeah, Oops. sorry. You can't be in any more movies, but also I'm not going to pay you more for the, one that, the only yeah. one that you did. So I want to now talk about Walt Disney as an FBI informant. So starting from 1940, right up until his death, Disney was a spy for the FBI. Do tell. Who actively supplied intel about his own workers to the Bureau. 
which we know he was fond of doing. He uh-huh. loves naming names. Yeah, apparently. It's yeah. become his favorite fucking hobby. Oh, yeah. So the reports detailing Disney's exchanges with the FBI are available on the Bureau's website, having been released due to um, the Freedom of Information Act. Mm. So someone requested them. Now they're released. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is about 750 pages long, and the majority of those are redacted. Yeah, um, of course. Which is like, it's just so silly. It's the Freedom of Information Act, and then like when you do order these documents, most of the shit has been like, of course, dark highlighted out. Of course, state secrets, babe. Yeah. Um. So they're blacked out and Sensitive unreadable. But um, the ones that weren't were still pretty intriguing. So a decent chunk of that was regarding. Surprise, surprise, communists. Um, and him naming names of people he thinks might be communists. It was like his favorite little fucking hobby. Yeah, um, bastard. And uh, <laughs> Disney stated that he was more than happy to help the FBI find troublemakers in Hollywood. Wow. You get, you kind of get the, you know, it makes sense. Like you get the the overall sort of morality of Disney movies um, is like a very like, like goody two shoes, like good boy Absolutely. morality, and like you can sense how he would like it would be so fun for him to like tell be on the, the goodest other, boy, yeah, be the good boy and like tell on the other boys and girls to get in like the a class. gold star, and yeah, like, to get a to be gold the line leader from, or whatever, yeah, exactly, the the head of the safety patrol or whatever. Yes, oh god, yes, dweeb. That's um, dweeb ass behavior. We condemn it. <laughs> So according to these reports, Disney actively expressed his admiration for this sort of like, so just like what you said, like he just, he loved the FBI. He loved (laughs) the American government. He loved in particular Mm -hmm. J. Edgar Hoover. Love. Awesome. Awesome. I also love J. Edgar Hoover. Um, And just, you know, the insidious machinations that are the FBI. So, so J. Edgar Hoover is, was the FBI director at the time. Yeah. And these documents that are available in his file mm-hmm. say that he allowed J. Edgar Hoover to make creative decisions about... In Disney movies? Disney movies. Shut the fuck yes. up. Yes. That's so crazy. Uh, it makes so much sense though, doesn't it? Right? So yeah. allowing, quote, J. Edgar Hoover to review and make small changes to his scripts. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't want this is this is all this is all parody this is all alleged uh parody 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 um but the you know the the parallels between like like Lenny Riefenstahl and like like Goebbels and like submitting the you know making these these propaganda movies to like it's it's just rife. I don't know. It keeps coming up in it my does, head. Yeah. The way that like he's creating this sort of national mythos and like getting people in like shady fucking organizations like the FBI and the CIA, like the the tools, the instruments of hard power in the United States to like to sign off on his little children's movies. That's so weird. That's so strange. And there's like this. It, it, there is this weird fascist kind of ring to it, isn't there? Oh, yeah. So this this file also shows that... Parody, allegedly. <laughs> that, okay, this is full like Boy Scout mode, right? Yeah. That the FBI made Disney, quote, a full special agent in charge contact. Oh, my God. That's so sad. <laughs> in 1954. Oh, they and did. Apparently they gave he him the good boy so award. so badly. They gave him the he gold star. He was so excited to have oh a badge. Oh, my God. 
They give him a badge. A special agent in charge contact. It would badge. be cool if they gave him a gun. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, wow, they, yeah. this is just like that reminds me of when like Elvis went to the White House to get like yeah, Nixon to, get a badge, to make him. Yeah, to get a badge. badge. Yeah. Yes. Although Elvis couldn't get a badge. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He did a good get one. Boy. Did he walk away with a badge? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I take it back. Because he was a good he, boy too. But but supposedly it's like he brought all these guns and all these firearms and explosives, <laughs> and they were actually just doing that to placate him because it like mm -hmm. got weird. Like yeah. he got too drunk and it got too weird, <laughs> and the guns got too plentiful, and oh, they were like, shit. "Fine, fine, 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 fine." But at first, who was the president at the time? Remind Nixon. Me? It was Nixon. At first, Nixon was like. Oh, Jesus. Like, yeah. we're not giving him a fucking badge, yeah, but I'll entertain right. him in my office for 30 minutes. But he got but more it, it, aggressive and drunk as, mm -hmm. as the day went on. And they the were like, point. just give him the fucking badge. Just give him the fucking badge. And they gave him the badge, and he just walked away so happy with his held, <laughs> his head held high. See, that's that Marching. was a cool That's a cool way to get a badge. You I couldn't agree more. Get extremely wasted and use your enormous fame and, like, suitcase full of explosives to, like, pressure the the Government president into, into giving you like a special good boy badge yes walt's way of doing it again dweeb ass suck behavior. Up behavior he report suck up brown nose behavior yeah. he reported enough of his employees as communists to the fbi get a little to get good a, boy badge. A little good, boy, good boy badge a little oh. patch like an eagle Dude, scouts no okay fucking <laughs> so um this signified that disney was an individual who was capable tex of avery would have never pulled shit like this <laughs> Swear to God, Looney Tunes gang for life. Disney um, can suck it. So this this full special agent in parody, special allegedly. special charge, yeah. special contact, special badge that if you If you work for Disney and you are in a position of power, we don't mean any of this. And we would love to work for your company. So the signification that he was given, so not only was he an individual who was designated that he was capable of providing resources to the FBI. That's what that like little special badge was. Mm -hmm. But it also meant that apparently um, he took care of PR issues within the bureau. Like within, within the FBI? On his own, like without, like he was, they gave him permission to take care of PR issues. Wow. On his own. That's what it for, says. For the bureau. I, yeah. If, if one or two should arise. Fascinating. Um, yeah. So the the FBI files show that um, with the park being so um, ideologically aligned with yeah. the government's like anti-communist pro-United States motives, uh -huh. um, Walt, quote, allowed representatives of the FBI complete access to the facilities of Disneyland and later Disney World, for use in connection with official matters and recreational purposes. <laughs> so I guess the FBI got, like, free Disney passes. Wow. I guess that's what recreational purposes means. Oh, my God. But also, what the fuck is official matters? Well, uh, you know what official matters is. What? In it's this context? like running investigations. It's and so like, fucking scary. Yeah, doing spook shit. Yeah. Uh. It's, it's crazy. That's well. It makes you wonder, like how often, how often they would go there for fun, and how often they would go there for business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in exchange for allowing the FBI complete access to the facilities of Disneyland, um, he was actually able to film something, something of his choice, in the bureau's Washington D.C. offices, and what he chose to film there was the Mickey Mouse Club. 
What? So the Mickey Mouse Club, the TV show, original seasons, the the children's live action TV show, uh huh, was filmed at FBI headquarters in Washington D.C. What the fuck? That yes. is so strange. Yes. So further transcripts, so further transcripts show that Disney and Hoover were in constant communication about TV shows. Wow. Specifically the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh my gosh. And there were three special episodes that were dedicated to the FBI. Dedicated to the FBI? So like it says in those big like yeah. shiny letters at the beginning of the episode, like yeah. this is dedicated to the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Yes. That is fucking crazy. Have you ever been past the... Uh, we've been to Washington, D.C. together. Have you ever mm-hmm. been past the FBI headquarters? I don't think so. It is this weird, imposing, like sort of faceless building that's like big, brutalist, concrete slab. It's like this really weird, eerie, looming kind of building. And it's just like, I don't know, when you said that they were, they offered like space in the building to shoot it, uh, whatever he wanted, I'm like, what, like how much space, where, what are they doing? They don't have a sound, do they have a sound stage in the FBI headquarters? I fucking I don't know guess what they, they have. They built one they for do. the Mickey Mouse Club. That shit is so crazy. So, um, apparently, even though Walt loved the FBI with all his heart. Um, he still wasn't the type of guy who was comfortable with others having final approval, right? Right. It's just not the type of guy he is. Uh-huh. He's a little bit of a control freak. Um, he's a little bit of a like like lone wolf. Like you said, this mythos of the one man doing right. all these great yeah. things the by great himself. Man of history. Yes. Yeah. Um, so J. Edgar Hoover wanted final approval. He wanted like a final script to be sent to him that he could essentially stamp was okay with the FBI. But Walt was, even though he loved, he loved the FBI, Uh was still not comfortable giving them final approval. Final say. So what happened? So this caused like a flurry of memos that are found in the FBI file from Uh Hoover to Disney. And Hoover is expressing concern that the Bureau had not seen the final cut of one of one of the episodes of the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh-huh. And um, that situation would later be revisited with Mary Poppins. Apparently, J. Edgar Hoover wanted a lot more say in Mary Poppins <laughs> than he got, but he got to like review and edit the script a little bit. I mean, Holy he was... Elbows deep in Mary Poppins. In Mary Poppins. That is so wild. Do you think that, like, this was... I mean, because you know, like, the Mickey Mouse Club was there, like, programming little children. I know. Also, like, you you have to imagine, like, those first... Those original cast members from, like, when it started in 1955, like, they were all basically little FBI agents. Like, I always knew it. (laughs) Snitch-ass energy to the Disney Corporation. That's true. You gotta wonder, like... Was this J. Edgar Hoover just, like, really wanted to, like, make sweet little programs for children? Like, why Mary Poppins? Yeah, did Poppins? he actually just want to be a filmmaker? Like, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything in Mary Poppins. Like, you can imagine the Mickey Mouse Club. Like, they all, like, salute the flag or whatever. Oh, they yeah. all, like, you know, march around and go, like, like, you should trust the FBI. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Um, but you, I can't imagine. There's nothing in Mary Poppins that suggests anything 
other than it's just like a goofy little kids. Like, we should rewatch it. We should. And, like, and look we should for look clues. for FBI programming. Yeah. Okay, that's what we'll do this weekend. So this little like flurry of memos escalated to the to the point where Hoover himself expressly asked for confirmation, which he received, mm-hmm. that Disney Studios agreed that the bureau needed to see the films for clearance before airing on television. Wow. And so I don't know exactly how long that lasted, but it was, it's in the FBI file on Walt Disney that Walt Disney agreed that Hoover and the FBI would receive final, like say, final confirmation Mm -hmm. and okay for clearance before a Disney program aired on television. That's how fucking in bed they were with each other. That is so crazy. Um, um, and then a memo from January 23rd, 1958, uh, one day before broadcast of a particular thing, um, included the statement, quote, obviously the mishandling on the part of the Disney studios and failure to live up to their agreement will be taken into consideration when future approaches are made to the bureau by this outfit. Weird. Isn't that like... Yeah, it does. It gives you a weird, dark feeling. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. The whole thing does, but it's very intriguing. So we know I'm, that I'm, Walt. Uh, I'm te- my fingers are tented right now. So we know that Walt was was in sweet sweet beds with the FBI. Mm-hmm. What about with the J. CIA? Yeah. What about the CIA? All right, y'all. Let's go global. This is not speculation. I'm taking most of this from an article called "Revealed: How the CIA Helped Disney Conquer Florida and Buy Super Cheap Land That Is Quote Above the Law" by Damian Gale. It's just a quick Google. You can read the article yourself. And you should. So Disney was in cahoots with the CIA to gobble. They they did this together. Yes. So they joined forces for the express purpose of gobbling up cheap land in Florida for Disney World or what in the 1960s was called Walt's Florida Project. Walt's Florida And they Project. orchestrated a quirky legal situation that makes the theme park above the law, which we sort of talked about in part one of Dark Disney. Right. With which like, is that it operates as a sort of like it's micro It's its own state. little, yeah, township with its own weird, like, you know, Reedy Creek emergency So we can thank the CIA yeah. for that. They understood that that's what it was going to be from the beginning and they helped Walt accomplish it. Okay, so I can't help but be asking myself right now, why was the CIA helping Walt Disney buy large tracts of land in Florida? Does right. it get into that at all? Is there um, any speculation? I don't what, know. what do you got? Let's go. Let's okay. talk about this stuff. Um, so, with the help of CIA agents and lawyers, our dear Uncle Walt mm-hmm. engineered statutory grounds which enable Disney World to, first of all, avoid taxation. Yeah. Second of all, avoid environmental regulation. Normal. And they both stand to this day. To this day? Yes. Wait, avoid taxation? So, like, they avoid state taxes and or federal taxes? Or? I don't know. I don't know. That's okay. That's okay. We don't really research this stuff okay. that much. I mean, um, we do research, but, like, what are we, fucking journalists? No, we're podcasters. <laughs> so, um, in Finding Florida, the History of the Sunshine State, investigator Tim Allman uh, alleges that, alleges with, like, a lot of, a lot of research and backing um, that Walt conspired with William Wild Bill Donovan, the so-named father of the CIA, uh-huh. 
to establish a state within a state where he could control the overall development of Disney World. Wow. Like the Vatican the, the, City. Yeah. The, the, like a, the a father of the CIA inside of another state. wanted yes. to help this businessman <laughs> develop and establish a state within a state that the CIA could, quote, control overall development of. That's what they're good at. They're good at destabilizing regions and installing puppet governments. So the CIA set up Disney agents Allegedly. with fake identities uh-huh. and orchestrated a disinformation campaign to, <laughs> so crazy. to confuse... It's like they were practicing for Nicaragua. You I know. know what I mean? <laughs> to confuse local business owners yeah. or any other like such suspicious... Yeah, yeah. Person, local uh-huh. person. Uh-huh. Um, so that the company could go ahead and purchase 40 square miles of land mm-hmm. for less than $200 an acre, I may add. Jesus Christ. Um, furthermore, uh-huh. he and his advisors found a way to, quote, limit the voting power of private residents in mm-hmm. the area to control the local democracy in case they should get in the way of the parks or Walt's <laughs> plans. Again, this guy was friends with Ayn Rand. Like yeah. he, the hypocrisy here is fucking rife, isn't it? He he started off this whole journey calling himself a populist. This is crazy. It's insane. So basically, they they so they went. The, you're telling me that the CIA went in and suppressed the local democracy in order to install a new regime. That's crazy. I would have never guessed that they would do something guessed. like that. Quote, they employed a scheme devised by senior CIA operative Paul Hellowell to establish two phantom cities populated by hand-picked Disney loyalists around which Disney World would be based. So the cities were um, Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista, which we've talked about. We talked about Lake Buena Vista. Two artificial reservoirs Disney engineers created by obstructing the area's natural water flow. So like Mm -hmm. to connect the two via Mm -hmm. some water. Mm -hmm. The company could then, could use these fake governments and fake townships to control land use Mm -hmm. and make sure that the public monies are being funneled into the theme park and that the money the theme park is generating stayed in Disney's private hands because it's their <laughs> private township. Mm-hmm. And teams of Disney lawyers were working um, out of Donovan, the father of the CIA's yeah. New York law firm and drafting this legislation, establishing these two pseudo cities, which was passed by the Florida legislature in 1967. So what you're saying is that the, the, espionage wing of the federal government was overtaking townships in central florida installing walt disney as a basically a a dictator and ensuring that all the public money from that land was going straight into his pocket and that they originally populated those pseudo cities with quote disney loyalists yeah like whatever that means exactly probably people who worked from the for the company, yeah, you know? it's well, it's his own little like Stasi. It's his own little like KGB. You know? And I mean, they bought it together. I can't stress that enough. For two hundred dollars a mile, a yeah, square mile uh, yeah, an acre, yeah, an acre. They also they they put CIA agents in like costumes, basically, and had them go around as realtors, like just individual gentlemen that were like interested in buying an acre too. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And they just bit by bit yeah. they. So that no one in Central Florida was like, wait, 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 wait. 
what the fuck? Like, Walt Disney's buying yeah, how buying many acres? Buying, all, you know, now, what are they going to do with it? The question remains, why do you think that the CIA was so interested in helping Walt Disney create this theme park for children? Like, I think what it's brainwashing. You think, you think I that... I do. You, so, allegedly, parody, your opinion is that they built Disney World for the purpose of filling the minds of young Americans with state-approved messaging. Yes. And a romanticism of uh, the American yesteryear. Yes. And a sort of general agreement on Disney's modernist ideas of, like, future utopian society. Fascinating. I do. I think that, like, not to make too much of it, but mm-hmm. I can't think of another reason well, why they would want to be I. so fucking involved. I know. I we mean, already know the FBI was making changes to scripts. So, like, it's yeah. really not that far-fetched. It's really not. I mean, I'm trying to think of other reasons. Like, maybe they wanted to build, like, a a theme park that was, like, a huge flex on the Soviet Union or something like that. Like, maybe they wanted to build something that was so embarrassing to every other country. Like, they were like, this is the greatest shit in the world. But then it's not. It's just a theme park. It's like... I also wonder, like... How much do you think Walt... that they still have their fingers in like Euro Disney and like you I know Tokyo that. Disney? Okay, Disney Corporation does hours, not yeah. own Tokyo Disney. It's the only, it's the only Disney that park Disney that they own. do not own because Japan wouldn't allow like Disney to make a park in Tokyo if Disney owned the whole thing. But Disney wanted to do it to make money anyway, so they con so they made a deal and they contracted a Japanese company, but the Japanese company essentially owns it and operates it. And apparently it's the best Disney park. It's the cleanest. It has the best rides. Okay. This does make me wonder though, how much Walt told the CIA about his experimental prototype community of tomorrow. I wonder if that was part of it because Disneyland, like you said, it was already built. Mm -hmm. It was not built that we know of with CIA money. Um, They were starting to get interested in what movies could do, what motion pictures could do Mm -hmm. and how releasing certain movies with certain messages could change people's ideas in the country. So they're getting their toes wet in that. And Mm -hmm. then, they built they help Walt build this huge park in Florida. But part of the idea, I think, from the beginning of Walt's Florida project was not only to do another Disneyland just in Florida. Because certainly it's yeah, they want to build more parks because the parks are making him money hand over fist. So it makes sense. Right. Um and it's kind of on the other side of the country, but it's also warm year round. So there's no like it's not gonna have to be shut down in the winter or whatever. So it makes right. perfect sense to build yeah. A second successful park, you know, just repeat the first thing, put mm-hmm. it in a different place um, on the East Coast. But it was, I think it was always going to be with that much land, several parks. So yeah. I think they had the idea of several parks, a multi-day destination, whereas the mm-hmm. one in Anaheim is like you go to Disneyland for the day. And maybe like you're from Oklahoma or you're from Oregon or something and you do travel to Southern California to go there, but you don't need to be in Anaheim multiple days. It's one park. You see it in one day. Right. So like the the monetary potential of having multiple parks is the potential of like these people have to, tourists have to come there and stay multiple days. Right. 
Um, but one of those parks from the get was Disney's Epcot. So I just wonder yeah. how much the CIA had invested in yeah. Disney's experimental prototype community of tomorrow or Epcot. It's interesting too, because what I think about when I think about Epcot is like the journey around the world, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And it was sort of in this era where this was all being built when we were like post-World War II, like sort of global liberal society that had been built, you know, in the, the ashes of European colonialism. Um, maybe that journey around the world was part of like the part of the messaging. Maybe the the CIA wanted us to understand the world as like one global, global society. society rather than individual nation states that were like. Yeah, and I don't think that that's. I'm just trying to fit a why that's too off base either. Yeah, I'm just trying to think why would the CIA like what what was their angle? What did they want? Like what are they? Well, want? so like. Epcot wasn't supposed to just be an amusement park, right? Yeah. Like when Walt was still alive, uh-huh. the way that he conceived of it. Um, and he was so passionate. I'd say he was more passionate about Epcot than any other project that he touched in his lifetime. Yeah. With the exception maybe of just like Mickey Mouse in those original cartoons. Right, right. Um, but he, he originally proposed it as a fully fledged, fully operational, quote, city of the future. So it was, you know, it was his dream. It was his, was what it? he thought was going to be his legacy Yeah. that um, he was frustrated with modern city living, I guess. And he just <laughs> thought that there was this other way to do uh, a city. Yeah. And that was going to be his city of the future. That was his crack at urban planning. Yeah, exactly. Very fucking interesting. And it ended up just being a theme park because yeah. he died before it was able to be fully constructed. So yeah. it did morph into the theme park that it is today. But he was very focused on creating a new world. Yeah, that is so, new so world interesting. Order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, allegedly. Um, so, Kelsey Ann, do you think that... Were people supposed to live in Epcot? Yeah, they were. So, this is not Disney's only attempt at building a community where people actually live. There are communities that are owned by Disney where... that They've tried to make like the ideal American... Mm-hmm. Like suburban and uh, semi-urban, like yeah, lifestyle, fuck yeah, we should right? do a we should do an episode about that. We Celebration should, Florida. We should it's go to Celebration Disney Florida. owned. Oh, I've been. You've been? Is it weird? It's so wacky, dude. Oh man, I can't wait to it's see it. It's Eerie. It's so quiet, yeah, but everything yeah. is like perfectly polished, but yeah, really empty. It's so bizarre. What's it? What does it look like? Is it like white picket fence? Yes. Yeah. Like yes. Walt stream of a. Or like, like the Disney colored, yeah, yeah, like huge, like three story homes with like white picket fences and like perfectly manicured lawns Americana. and like Disney style like landscaping and like this this town center with like a candy shop and like a yeah. and, like a little bank like a cute bank and yeah, like but a, it's like owned by Disney yes yeah. crazy crazy yeah. crazy. And there's like little Mickey's everywhere, like yeah. but hidden, like yeah. in like different like little patterns that you wouldn't like expect. But there's <laughs> Mickey's fucking everywhere. Subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So Walt maybe didn't live to see his prototype community of tomorrow neighborhood that he so wished to mm-hmm. get up on its feet before his death. He wasn't able to do that, but. Allman, Timothy Allman, who's written a lot about this subject, Mm -hmm. um, says, of course, he was right about creating a new kind of America. 
by turning the state of Florida and its statutes into their enablers, Disney and his successors pioneered a business model based on public subsidy of private profit coupled with corporate immunity from the laws, regulations, and taxes imposed on actual people that now increasingly characterizes the economy of the United States. Holy shit. So maybe he did create his perfect new kind of America. What that immediately makes me think of is like the way that the military industrial complex has come to work. Like, so there's a direct link between Disney World and let's say like BlackRock or like any of those like private contractors that get sent over to other countries. Both overseen by the CIA. Yes, both overseen <laughs> by the CIA. Yeah. Wow. So leaving that aside, um, let's get into some Nazi shit. Okay, let's get into some Nazi this shit. This is potentially the most alleged, 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 alleged. Uh-huh, parody, be- parody. Because um, his ties to... Uh, well, his involvement in calling out in communists. Court, right? If you keep saying parody over and over again. <laughs> Fucking better. Uh, <laughs> we, we do have a lawyer, actually. We do? Yeah. We have a lawyer? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yeah. Don't fuck with us. So, we can do whatever we want. That means we can do whatever we want. Oh, right? yeah, that we have a we lawyer. We can say whatever yeah. we want. Um, so Walt's involvement in, in, like, quote, unquote, rooting out communists, his involvement in the... Uh, Un-American Activities Committee in the Motion Picture Alliance, um, in the in McCarthyism and the Red Scare in general is yeah. like fully documented. That's really been yeah, it's widely on, reported on. It's on the record. On the record. Yeah. The FBI shit is on the record. And there yeah. was a lot that was redacted. Who the fuck knows what was, you know, yeah. blotted out. <laughs> what was left out um, of yeah. The CIA it stuff is Edgar also... Hoover and Walt Disney's love like, letters. Love letters. <laughs> <laughs> The CIA stuff yeah. is also Walt very Disney credible. Dick pics and Jared Groover dig pics back and forth. Yeah, if there was one guy he would go gay for, I'd be Uncle Sam. Absolutely. <laughs> Uncle Walt and Uncle Sam. Uncle You're cool Walt gay Uncle uncles. Sam. You're cool gay <laughs> So, but uh, this, so the Nazi stuff, uh, that's more just my little flavor. Like that's, that's, again, I'm based on feelings this is a little <laughs> yeah. less factual than the things that I've talked about before. Yeah, on this podcast, I think it's worth feelings mentioning. don't care about your facts. That should be our motto. <laughs> our feelings don't care about your facts. So I just want to start with, um, does anyone remember that infamous Three Little Pigs scene in the cartoon Three Little Pigs? Well, since there's only one other fucking person in this room, I assume you're talking to me. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? The Three Little Pigs? Yeah. I seem to remember a Disney cartoon with Three Little Pigs, and they all have t-shirts, but their bellies are sticking out. <laughs> That's classic Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anything um, else? They're wearing, does one of them have like a little propeller hat? Am I thinking of Alvin and the Chipmunks? Yes, you are indeed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so one you don't remember. One roasted by the other two, and they... The wolf, you know, the big bad wolf. Oh, yeah, the big bad wolf. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. He was portrayed as a Jewish peddler. No! Yeah. Oh, it's so cringy. Um, so let me get into some more facts. Yeah. So in 1938, German filmmaker Lenny Riefenstahl. Lenny yeah. Riefenstahl, yeah. Lenny that's Riefenstahl. who I was talking about earlier. She did. Uh, she made the movie Triumph of the the Will, which is ba- a fucking crazy movie. It's like this. Um, it's basically just like a movie about Hitler giving a big speech, um, but it's like they she used filmmaking techniques to make it look like big and dramatic and like 
cinematic and stuff, and they cut in like all this this cool footage of like airplanes flying, and it was like I think they had Wagner play da 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 like she just basically it like. Lenny Riefenstahl was like a pioneer of cinema, but she used all that to like basically make Hitler's boring ass political speech or whatever look, look fucking epic. amazing. Yeah. yeah, and it worked. It was like it was huge. Goebbels used it in like uh, the Minister of Propaganda used it uh, to great effect, and it's still like a movie that like people look at and go like, "Wow, this like pushed cinematic boundaries," and like it really was innovative for the time but it's well you know we like a female filmmaker yeah. but not this female filmmaker <laughs> not all this female is not filmmakers. female filmmaker friday Lenny, you're not invited all right so okay so, so anyway. in 1938 she arrived in the u.s a month after crystal knocked mind yeah. you uh-huh. to meet with studio executives to find an audience for her 1936 film about the berlin games called olympia the problem she was a known Nazi. Yeah. So no, no studio wanted to meet with her yeah, no about fucking shit. making her shitty little Berlin Games movie. Right. Or her super cool cinematic boundary pushing Berlin Games movie. It didn't matter. Or whatever it is. It yeah. didn't matter. Was this the Jesse Owens Olympics? Yeah, Jesse too? Owens was in that Olympics. Yes. And he beat their Go like, Jesse. German bitch asses. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, so... She comes to California, and then she's like, oh, I'm knocking on all these doors, and I can't get in. Why does everyone not like me? So while other studios hesitated, obviously, to uh, secure a meeting with Lenny, Walt Disney took her in. Can you think of a reason why? He took her in. All those other studios? (laughs) He gave her a tour of Disney Studios. Of course he did. And when she returned to Germany, she praised Walt Disney of for seeing her. Of course she did. It's so the only just, person in Hollywood who would take a meeting like with Lenny Richenstaufel or whatever her stupid <laughs> name is, was Walt Disney. Yeah. He yeah. takes her in and shows her a great time, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, not suspicious at all. Not suspicious, even a little So <laughs> that even reminds me of... Um, so Tom Hanks played Walt Disney in a yeah, sort of a, a couple years biopic ago. a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, and he was asked in an interview if uh, if he would be doing a warts and all per- portrayal, and he responded. He wasn't a warty guy. I mean, there were the labor issues that were in the forties and stuff like that, but by and large, no. Okay, and I'm you know, sure that my conspiracy theorists yeah, out there are going to love Edgar that Hoover one. And Lenny Riefenstahl, notwithstanding, yeah, not a warty guy. Yeah, not a warty guy. No, um, you know, there's always been a particular uh, sus. You know, that community's been pretty suspect of Tom Hanks, and frankly, it's a pretty mm. sus thing to <laughs> say, Tommy. So. You know, if the CIA Nazi shit isn't warty enough, Unky Walt also did not allow women to apply for spots in his animation training school because he firmly believed that, direct quote, women do not do creative work. So. Well, where's the where's the lie? <laughs> <laughs> um, so also, um, there's a a writer who has written a lot of biographies on him, um, Gabler. And he wrote in one of his like most thorough biographies on Walt Disney that quote, he didn't trust women or cats. My opinion, my estimation of Walt Disney as a man just fucking plummeted. Well, I always think of people who don't like cats 
it just, it seems to me that you can only love something that is like devoted to you. Like you only can feel love for something. Yeah, that loves you. Like loves, that loves you unconditionally. Yes. And yes. I, like a dog. And I find yeah, that, a, right. I love dogs. I'm yeah. a dog and a cat person. But I when agree. you just me like too. don't like cats or just don't trust cats, it's because cats don't, I mean. You haven't given them a reason to trust you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you got to earn their respect. I completely agree with that. But that seems to fit Walt's personality. He wanted all yeah, his staff to he wants admiration, yeah, yeah, to call him daddy, and he wants J. Edgar Hoover to Winky. call him daddy, and he just wants America to love him so much. Yes, he does, sweet little Walty. So this I guess is... I just want to say, like, would you would you say that Walt Disney is a Florida man? And I, on our <laughs> inaugural episode, I said that I believed Disney was a Florida man through and through. But yeah. like after I did the research on this episode, like I don't know, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's a he's, hawkish salesman. He's a tax evader. Honestly, this is all making him seem a lot more like a California man. Oof, fighting yeah. words. You know, harsh. Yeah. Um, or a Kansas City man. He's lacking the. Oh God, yeah. He's lacking the um, the chaos and the, the like cool sort guy of energy. lust. Yeah, the lust, <laughs> lust for, for life. life. Yeah, that I would characterize a Florida man as having. Yeah, like you know, even the sh- the shitty Florida men, like you know, they've got like appetites and like vices, vices, and yeah, this is making him seem a and, lot like, more flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and seems, he seems like to a- be lacking all that. He seems like a good boy. Like a tattletale. Yeah, he like, loves rules. He loves like hierarchy. Hierarchy. And, like, yeah, yeah. He idolizes um, the like lone hero of history. Like none of that is like that's a like lame, dumb, fucking school shit. I agree. Know? Like, yeah. I mean, because the only things that make him a Florida man, then in this case, are that he chose Florida, mm-hmm. and that like he's a obviously a crook and a tax evader and a hawkish type salesman yes but like you know beyond that i just he's just not he's not like a rad guy like he's not a cool guy no no, he he yeah he doesn't have a lust for life and i think those are like requisites yeah i agree with that to be a florida man so i I don't think he is a florida man okay well you're kicked out of the club walt sorry um but your your contributions to the weirdness of the state of florida are many and varied and will never be forgotten never be forgotten in fact, they stand to this day as a monument to your fucking arrogance. Do you want to do the Florida man versus Florida woman for the day? Okay, babe. Now that the alleged parody section of our podcast <laughs> is over, it's time It's time for the domestic dispute. Let's do our Florida man versus Florida woman for today, all right? Men first. Men okay. first? No, ladies first. This is an old-fashioned podcast. But the lady wants the man to go This is first. an etiquette podcast. And so I'm teaching are teaching our audience some manners right now. No matter how much the lady doth fucking protest, you let her go first. That's so rude. It's not rude. It's chivalry. Forced? Yeah, forced She chivalry. doesn't want it. She's saying, please no. I keep saying this is an old-fashioned podcast. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay. This is from Channel 8 News. Nude Florida woman accused of entering Citrus County House... Battering homeowners, police upon, wait, what? Police upon arrest. Oh, oh, she's (laughs) battering the homeowners and police police upon upon arrest. arrest. 
Now I get That's it. a good... So it, it it's a good start whenever it starts off nude. Yeah. When the first word is nude, And this was on Thanksgiving. Good. On Thanksgiving? Of this year. This yes. is great. So this just, just happened. So a Florida woman was arrested... Let me not mumble the words a Florida woman. Is that That's the one thing that I Same should mumble loud and proud, on this babe. podcast. Loud and proud. A Florida woman was arrested after police say she walked into a Citrus County home and undressed herself before hugging and sitting on multiple people, including several who were 65 years or older. (laughs) (laughs) Police say 35-year-old Heather Cruz of Dunellen walked into a Citrus County home through a side door. Once inside, Cruz removed her clothing and exposed her genitalia before she grabbed and groped and hugged the homeowner, according to police. When Cruz was told <laughs> when Cruz was told to stop, documents say she sat on the lap of two other residents while naked, saying, You like it to one of the victims. What they don't what they don't say is that this is just like, you know, how some places have the Easter bunny. <laughs> Florida has Heather Cruz, and she every Thanksgiving she comes to your house and she undresses and she flashes her pussy and sits on your grandma. And your grandma tells her how much she likes it. Yeah, that's right. This is a time-honored Florida tradition. She's she's like the spirit of Thanksgiving. I love that. I Heather love Cruz. That. So, oh, um, man. We should have say... Heather Cruz at our Thanksgiving. <laughs> police say two of the home's occupants then attempted to remove Cruz and escort her to the front door. At that time, still nude, Cruz reportedly grabs the testicles of another elderly individual and made no. several sexual remarks. God damn it, get off my balls, Heather Cruz. She can't, she won't. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, baby. Anyway, all right. So she's now facing three counts of battery on persons 65 years of age or older, which is elder abuse. She said they liked it though. <laughs> and then um, two counts of battery on law enforcement. Damn, Heather. Oh, what a success. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And resisting an officer with violence, burglary with battery. Oh, so she took some stuff. And exposure (laughs) of sexual organs. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's a a Thanksgiving in Florida, babe. That's a really strong entry. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Here's my Florida man. Florida man charged with attempted murder after failed marriage proposal. (gasps) This is from uh, CBS News. Um, The Crime Cider staff. In Lake Worth, Florida, deputies say a Florida man attempted to shoot and kill his ex-girlfriend and her friend the day after she rejected his marriage proposal, which is what I would have done too. So you better I did reject your, your fucking... marriage proposal at first. You did, you did, um, but that was just out of nerves. I was so nervous. You were so nervous. I didn't know what you to forgot do. which forgot. was the correct response. <laughs> um, he showed up to his ex-girlfriend's house the next day. Um, after she refused, Covey forced a ring onto her finger, <gasps> oh. according to an arrest report. She said later she took off the ring and left it in Covey's car as he drove her to, to her parents' house. The next day, she received a series of threatening text messages from Covey, according to the report. You don't deserve to be expletive love, and don't ever threaten me with the police. Don't ever threaten me with the cops. There's no punctuation in any of this. Oh, wow. I will do He's something expletive crazy. Go ahead and try me, one text message said, according to the report. The victim told the police that Covey repeatedly demanded she return the ring. 
a dress he said oh, he had bought her. I thought he wanted her. her to have the ring. No, no, no. She, he's got, she's got to return it in a dress that he bought her and also 60 bucks that she owed him, apparently. Oh, he's getting petty. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then after all that, uh, she, she tri- he tried to kill the woman uh, late on the night of December 1st of 2017. She was in a friend's mobile home when she and the friend say, Kobe and another person approached and banged on the door. He was holding a gun. Uh, he say, he took some shots, but like missed at point blank range. Fucking oh typical God, Florida man, typical. like ratchet, <laughs> crazy, chaotic. Um, Eleven spent shell casings were found outside the home. Several. There's nothing more chaotic than missing at point firing, blank range. Yes, what exactly. were you doing? Yeah, just firing All at over? random. Like, yeah. So eleven spent shell casings were found. Several hit the structure, and at least one bullet made it inside, hitting a refrigerator. Kovi and a 16-year-old suspect were later arrested. 16, he what? got a Why 16-year-old he... to come help him uh, kill his ex-girlfriend uh, when Kovi's car was found at the scene of an unrelated drug overdose. Oh, my God. Exactly. So chaotic. It just keeps going. Kovi was charged with first-degree attempted murder, first-degree, um, aggravated stalking, shooting into an occupied dwelling, and felon in possession of a firearm. So how is everyone? Florida man. Uh, everyone survived. Uh, apparently, no one was hurt, but uh, he definitely spent eleven shell casings. He fucking fired eleven times, <sighs> presumably at fucking random, like with <laughs> yeah. his with one hand covering his eyes and the other just flailing into the fucking into the the darkness. <sighs> this guy, this guy actually just like. But makes that's what sick. happens when you say no to Florida man. Make sure that everybody everybody pay attention. Don't say no to Florida man. No, you can't say no. Um, right. <laughs> all right. You want to do, you do your fucking fact? Yes, I do. Give me your fucking fact. My fact is Disney related. Just to go with the theme. Go ahead. Um, so there are pens of chickens on Disney Park property. Which park? Where? Apparently at Walt Disney World in Orlando. They're, in, they're kept in these green spaces around the theme parks. Owned by Reedy Creek Improvement District. Oh my god, is that what they make like the chicken fingers out of that they serve? No, they're not for eating. They're for checking to see if the chickens show signs of mosquito-borne illness. Whoa. They're called sentinel chickens. Sentinel chickens. (laughs) They're for basically for predicting like West Nile and other like mosquito-borne illnesses. So like they keep the chickens as a way to monitor the spread of these like life-threatening mosquito illnesses. Oh my god. Apparently there there are some at the horse stables at Fort Wilderness, I found too. Wow. Ethically questionable? I don't know. I don't know. Are they they're not like trapping the chickens in boxes and making them get bit by mosquitoes they're just like the chickens just, just exist, exist and, and if live. like something they start getting zika then they know if, that if the it's... chicks start hatching with little tiny little heads then yeah. they realize that they're gonna have a problem shit. on their hands that's a good fact cool sentinel chicken mm-hmm. i like that okay so also in keeping with the theme mine is cia related oh shit in the middle of the everglades national park um there is a there is a nuclear warhead missile base. What the fuck? That is still I I don't think it's still operational, but it was it was operational the entirety of the Cold War, and it had Nike Hercules missiles that were pointed at um, the Soviet Union and at Cuba. Oh fuck! Crazy, right? You can still go on a tour of it. 
by the way. It's like part of the national park now. But yeah, it's, it was just hidden in the middle of the Everglades. There are nuclear warheads that are pointed at Russia. Is that because the Everglades is truly so like uninhabited and it's like just expanses? Like, yeah, it's that's exactly why. Land it's that like, no one is going to need. Nobody there. Yeah. The government owns it and they can do whatever they want with it. So and it's they, close to Cuba. <laughs> it's close to Cuba. Exactly. Tactical missiles Whew. in the middle of a otherwise... Uh, otherwise beautiful and untouched national landscape. How about that? That's right. Short, sweet little fact today. Okay. Okay, now we got to decide who won okay. in the domestic dispute. Let's say on three. Okay. One, One two, two, three. three. Florida, Florida woman. woman. She fucking nailed Hell it this yeah. time. Yeah, dude. What was her name? Helen, Helen. Heather Cruz. Heather Cruz. Yeah. Heather Cruz is exact. She's just like Santa Claus, but she's Florida specific. She's the Thanksgiving fairy. It's Helen, Hel, Heather Cruz comes to your house, sits on your grandma with her pussy out, mm-hmm. and like steals steals your pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a beautiful story. I, I love gorgeous. her so much. Yeah. I love Heather Cruz, too. Just imagine, imagine the, the I'm going to write her letters uh, <laughs> while she's in jail. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to write her letters. We're going to start a jail romance. Sorry, life, babe. Life after lock, love after lockup. Love after lockup. That's that it. Show. I'm going to be the new entry. Well, she's 35, so she's not. You know, how's she's... she looking? How's that mugshot look? Let me see. Not too bad, actually. No, she's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, huh. these mugshots. These mugshots can get dark, man. Um, let me show. She could get it. You said. Yeah, I think so. All right, cool. That's a Kelsey Ann stamp of approval. I mean, she That's... looks a little worse for wear as she's being arrested. Like, clearly yeah, something was going on in her or... life yeah, that was exactly. making her do that. <laughs> Walk into a house full of elderly people on Thanksgiving and yep, yep. put her pussy on them and tell them they liked it and sit on their laps and shit. Think... So it's like the reverse of Santa. She sits on their lap. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And she tells them that they like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was my favorite detail. Well, Santa may say that too. Um, this guy's looking rough. This he looks like a criminal. Like Heather what Cruz kind? does not look like. A no, criminal. she doesn't. He looks. He looks kind of like uh, in True Blood or not True Blood, True Detective. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's character, mm. like the older one. Uh, I think Rust was his name, and mm-hmm. he had like the he had like a po- long Pony, hair, ponytail, like a rat tail. Kind of thing? Go- yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitty goatee, sunken eyes, kind of like yeah, Ugh. very, very like violent kind of demeanor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Heather Cruz definitely wins on this cool. one. Okay, babies, thanks for listening. Um, if you love us the way that we love you, um, give us give us a subscription. Yeah, give rate us and a, review. Give us a rate. Give us a review. Give us a little kiss too. I want. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a quarter. If you have any change in your pocket, spare change. Once you pull it out, once you to give it a little kiss, like it's a little baby, and then put it under your pillow. And then Heather Cruz is going to come tonight. And she's going to give you a little kiss straight from our lips, okay? What kind of lips is she going to use? The ones you don't want. <laughs>